lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre, and you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the show. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, at least while you can. You can also go to where they don't censor us. Just look for my name on MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Look for at Steve Dace Show on Getter. And then look for clips of the show that are free of censorship and free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Again, rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. A couple things uh, I want to let you know about here from the outset. And, and I need to be more vigilant about this, okay? Because over the course of a year, uh, several of you are kind enough to send us trinkets and gifts and tokens of appreciation, and we very much appreciate each and every one of them. And I, I try to remember to either contact people personally, uh, although that's getting more difficult with the volume of feedback I get daily now, uh, or to give you shout outs on the air. And I wanted to give uh, a couple of quick shout outs here. First of all, to David Stevenson, who sent us uh, the really nice uh, pen. Thank you very much, David. And then also uh, to John, and I believe it is, if I pronounce it correctly, which I probably won't, Vartanesian. Uh, John Vartanesian, he did some woodworking for us. In fact, if you guys want to see it, he made each one of these for each and every one of us. Pretty cool little wooden cross thing there. So, really awesome. So I wanted to thank both of you guys for those trinkets. And please forgive me if I if I did not get back to you or give you a shout out. It wasn't that it wasn't appreciated. It's just I'm overwhelmed. Uh, no excuse. It's, to, it's my bad. Totally on me. Okay. Uh, the second thing I wanted to warn you about is that uh, only uh, the average American only has about a week's worth of food stored at a time. I, I had a second, I had one of our sales uh, gals, Kathy, send me a picture. She, I think she lives in California. And she sent me a picture. I should have sent it to you, Aaron, so you could put it on the air. It was the cough drop second huh. aisle at her grocery store. I'm talking bare as a baby's bottom, brother. Okay, I mean, there, nothing. No product at all. Nothing. Nothing there. All right. So who knows the next time it couldn't happen here when it happens here, it, it might actually be food. Try the best selling four week emergency food kit from our friends at My Patriot Supply. It contains breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, even snacks for every member of your household. It can be stored for up to 25 years fresh with the proper storage. And they won't send it to you in a chartreuse polka dot van that says Doom Prepper. It'll come to you very discreetly. So no one has to know, all right? But then you know, and you've got the peace of mind that should it go down again with bare shelves Biden, that that you are uh, good to go. Uh, If you want to take advantage of $50 off per kit right now, go to preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. Before I tell you about what's on the agenda for today's show, I woke up with a thought this morning. And I'm pretty confident I've got Omicron because everybody around me, literally, like the only two people around me right now who don't have this are the two of you, all right? Literally everywhere else I go, everyone else I know has had this or is in the process of having it or just got over it. I mean, friend group, family, I mean, literally everybody, okay? So maybe it was my Omicron rattled brain 
which is a cold. And, uh, and, and so who knows if there's clarity here or not. But I woke up with a thought this morning. Is the jab the same thing as the Republican Party? Now, now hear me out. What did we do when faced with COVID right away? We pursued a strategy that de-empowered individuals to make their own choices. So, and, and, and they outsourced their medical decisions to a collective. And that collective, is, with the exception of a few states, and we just happen to live in one of them, but with the exception of a few states, it didn't matter, red or, red or blue, that was, the, your, your citizenship was now outsourced. And you were no longer in control of your own fate. Self-government was gone. You were at the mercy of what the system decided you could put up with and what was true and what was not. And then a strategy was concocted from that system that we would not attempt to recognize the previous 7,000 years of recorded human history and how we have defeated far worse contagions than this one. I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm just saying it's nothing compared to what you've read in your history books. At least it didn't. Let me rephrase that. It didn't have to be. And all of that was outsourced until sit around and wait for a jab. Sort of like, don't get involved in your school district. Don't stand up for yourself at your job. Um, consume all this alternative media content that people like me produce all day long. And then just go home after you're all worked up. Go home, you check the box, and just wait uh, for the next election. Because there's absolutely, there's just nothing you could possibly do. Nothing you could possibly do. Totally out of your hands. You're helpless. So just wait until the next election and you can vote your way out of it. Similar to just wait until the jab shows up and deliverance comes from on high. Are you tracking with me so far? Oh, you know, I'm tracking with you. Yeah. How about you, Aaron? You tracking with me on this? Yeah. Let's continue on, shall we then? Okay. Then what happens is um, sort of a a dysfunctional pattern of self-fulfilling prophecies emerge. It's funny Daniel has often referred to what I busted out with the other day, jopium, as uh, the, the, you know, uh, the Republican heroin drip. You have to vote Republican in order to slow down what they want to do to destroy the country, but voting Republican doesn't actually slow down what they do to destroy the country. But you are concerned with limited exceptions. Certainly, if you voted Republican in Iowa the last couple of cycles, it has dramatically slowed things down. Fair? Yeah. If you voted Republican in Florida in the last few cycles, it has dramatically slowed a few things down, right? Yeah. But but how far does the list go beyond that? Not very. Okay. Um, I think South Carolina actually in the last year has come around quite well on COVID. So I'd give I'll give I think it's McMaster's the governor there. I'll give him some credit. But we're not talking about a list that extends beyond our you know our the, our, the two appendages on our or the 10 appendages on our two hands right this is a not a long list yeah, if you okay? did you wouldn't be saying uh i think mcmasters you know this guy would be a household name exactly i mean kemp was on the list originally and then decided to completely outsource his state's election system to the spirit of the age which makes it almost now irrelevant right okay <clears throat> so but do you follow me here and and now the way that immunity works with these jabs is very much like a heroin trip in that 
you do feel better, but you have to keep doing it, which increases the the likelihood or odds of an adverse side effect. Because we're now talking about four jabs within the span of one year. And if I had said last year, after looking at the testing data from Pfizer and Moderna that you're going to need multiple jabs of this within the span of a year. I'd have been banned from every single platform in America. And yet, here we are, right? We've, we've pointed out those things out, right? Yes. Similarly, that's what systemically voting for Republican is like. You kind of feel like you have to do it because if you don't, the, the amount of tumor and cancer, as you like to say, that the other side represents is just too overwhelming. And yet, you know that in the end, that sort of dilutes your zealotry because you feel like you did something. Like, have you considered working out more? I mean, have you considered your vitamin D level? Vitamin D deficiency is the number one driver, number one driver of COVID surges and deaths in the world. Vitamin D deficiency is. That, because that also links to morbid obesity. Uh, the more obese you are, since vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, the more obese you are, the more difficult it is for you to properly absorb vitamin D. Those two things go together. Anybody tell you that? Triple I mean, mask, Steve. Yeah, instead, mask. We're, instead we've got someone arguing that their vax is a, an elixir. It's not a vax because no one's vax, vaccinated. Thank you for Rochelle Walensky to, for admitting that the other day by showing up with two masks. Okay. But do you see the point I'm getting at here? That it, that it just becomes a path of least resistance. And if that analogy holds, just like we had a control group with Delta called India, where its wave was bad, but it came and it went. And then Delta in parts of America is still wreaking havoc as we sit here today. And we have far more jabbed people. How many videos did we see of morbidly obese moms over the last year? I'm staying in the house. I'm keeping my kids in the house. I mean, I don't know while you're there, man. Have you thought about P90X? I mean, I don't know. Do some push-ups maybe, you know? I mean, have you walked the, walked the stairs for a half an hour? Have you thought of that? Might be help you get healthier. I don't know. You know, went and did my normal Thursday lift today with Omicron and I'm pudgy. So how you like them apples? I mean, there's no responsibility. It's, it's an outsourcing of your health like it's an outsourcing of your, of your citizenship. And then being disappointed when it doesn't work. I saw Colin Cowherd, who fashions himself one of the most critical thinkers in American sports media yesterday, lamenting on Twitter, I did everything they told me to do. And now I've got it. Huh. Maybe the first problem is that statement. I did everything they told me to do. You outsourced your critical thinking. You wouldn't expect that from sports radio, Steve. So shocking. (laughs) I love this notion right now that it's just all, I got a tweet from someone who fashions themselves smart, identifies as LDS Christian in Utah, tweeted me yesterday. Well, we only can get 50% of our people vaccinated out here. If we could get 95%, this thing would stop. 94% of New York City has been jabbed, folks. 94% of New York City has been jabbed, and on New Year's Eve, they had more patients in the ICU for COVID than they had on New Year's Eve the previous year before they started jabbing. 
Look at what is going on all over the world. There is no correlation between jab rates and infection rates. In fact, if anything, you have a negative correlation. There's examples going on right in our own backyard. It doesn't matter. But if, but if, but if we are the people we think we are, if we are the people God, who our rights come from, has called us to be, it sure as heck better matter to us. Take control of your destiny. Take control of your fate. Trust that the God who gave you your rights gave you a brain. And it doesn't mean you have all the expertise. You and I don't. But you have enough intelligence there if you take this seriously to get the expertise you need, to ask the questions you need answered. Don't be a lemming. It's not about the decision you make here. It's about the process of decision-making. For too long, we have outsourced our citizenship to a political party that hates us, and that's why we haven't gotten anywhere. And now we're accepting things like, Trump said yesterday, Elise Stefanik for president. I mean, Elise Stefanik was one of the Republicans that voted for the gender-bending madness. But we just now accept and overlook things to be part of a collective. Why? Do we believe in individual, any minute now, the Supreme Court may render a verdict on individual sovereignty and bodily autonomy. My question to all of us, though, happens to be, how many of us, if they rule against us, will really see their lives change all that much? Because we've already seeded it over. We've already handed it over. How many of us? How many of us, if they rule against us, how many of us will have our lives substantively changed by this because we've already given it over? Take control of your fate. Become the American you were born to be. We have no king but Jesus. Rely on nothing other than a rightful, reverential fear of God and a love for your neighbor. And now here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Kamala Grilled. NBC News had an exclusive one-on-one interview with Vice President Harris on a number of topics, including coronavirus. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Are we going to uh, to see the same Democratic ticket in 2024? I'm sorry, we are thinking about today. In completely unrelated news, the Associated Press says it will no longer run stories which focus solely on a country or state reporting a one-day record for COVID cases, saying those figures have become quote-unquote unreliable. A new Quinnipiac poll of Joe Biden's approval rating was released yesterday. It sits at 33%. The last seven Q poll approval ratings have found Biden with approval ratings of 49%, 46, 42, 38, 37, 36, 33%. Even so, Biden is out there saying stuff like this. That's why we're here today, to stand against the forces in America that value power over principle, 
forces that attempted a coup, a coup against the legally expressed will of the American people by sowing doubt, inventing charges of fraud, and seeking to steal the 2020 election from the people. They want chaos to reign. We want the people to rule. In other news, remember that time in Loudoun County, Virginia, when a father confronted the school board about how his young daughter had been sodomized by a dude who thought he was a girl in the women's bathroom at a school and how the school board told him to his face that it hadn't happened and then tried to cover it up and then that dad was labeled as a terrorist by the Biden administration. Do you remember that? Well, that 15-year-old young man has now assaulted two others after being moved to a different school and has been placed on the sexual offender registry for life. As a reminder, this is what the boy's mom had to say about the matter in an exclusive interview with the Daily Mail. Quote, he's a 15-year-old boy that wanted to have sex in the bathroom with somebody that was willing, and they're twisting this just enough to make it a political hot-button issue. In Australia, the singularity of woke, white, spirit-of-the-age progressivism was caught on camera recently. The premier of the state of Western Australia, Mark McGowan, enlisted an indigenous elder to translate his message from English to quote-unquote aboriginal English. I'm not going to say any more. Just watch and listen. This is an important message to keep aboriginal people safe. Indigenous message is a proper important one to keep everybody Safe one. You can die from the corona or get really sick. You will can pass away from this corona or you will can get really sick one. So get your needle now and stay strong. Thank you. So you will gonna get on that needle and stay proper strong one and thank you. Oh stewardess. I speak jive. A group of 270 doctors and so-called healthcare professionals have signed an open letter urging Spotify to censor its podcast superstar Joe Rogan, calling his show's commentary and guests regarding the coronavirus, quote, false and societally harmful, and calling him a menace to the public health. According to information from the CDC compiled by researcher Emma Woodhouse, COVID-19 did not increase the normal respiratory disease mortality burden for those aged 13 to 18, but drug and alcohol deaths did double in the year 2020 for that same age range. CNN's ratings collapsed by 90% the first week of 2022. The SUV involved in the tragic accident in Waukesha, Wisconsin late last year is facing 71 additional charges in addition to the six counts of first-degree intentional homicide it faced. The red Ford Escape is now charged with 61 additional first-degree counts of recklessly endangering safety and six counts of hit-and-run involved death among new charges. A cabal of the typical crowd of pious, nicer-than-God evangelicals have egg on their faces after sharing an edited, out-of-context video of California pastor John MacArthur during a sermon he gave in early 2021 about religious liberty. Southwestern Seminary President Adam Greenway, Christianity Today editor Ed Stetzer, high-profile Southeastern Seminary professor Karen Swallow-Prior and David French were among those who shared and derided the out-of-context clip. The clip made it sound as if MacArthur was either advocating for state religion or something else when he was really describing, in short, who the church should look to for protection. Not earthly powers, but God. The entire story is a little too long for the montage, but 
Megan Basham at The Daily Wire has an excellent piece on this story you should check out for the full picture. And finally, a conservative in Dallas, Texas, confounded thousands yesterday when a video of him trolling the Dallas City Council went viral. Again, this dude is a conservative named Alex Stein, who does this sort of thing to the Dallas City Council on the regular, who was merely using hyperbole to troll the Branch Covidians on the City Council. Vaccinate my body. Vaccinate me at the party. A vaccine dream. I love the vaccine all day long. I want to vaccinate your mom. I want to stick it in your arm. Omar, where are you? I want to vaccinate you, but you can't hear my song. Vaccinate me in my thong. Vaccination, right or wrong. Dr. Fauci, give me that ouchie. I want it in my body. And that's what happened while we were away. If there was ever a perfect segue to an underwear live read, that <laughs> sheer brilliance is it. Our friends over at Tommy John, they want you to not put up with any more substandard undergarments, products, and I don't anymore. That's why the only underwear I buy anymore is Tommy John. They gave it to me for free to try it out a couple of years ago. I loved it so much. I've gone in uh, into my own wallet probably a half dozen times to order more over the last couple of years. Uh, it's fantastic underwear. Uh, it, that's why they don't just have uh, customers. They've got fanatics. An absolutely perfect fit and it, I'm, I'm just telling you, it's the best underwear I've ever worn. And they've got stuff for the ladies now as well, which I must admit I don't have a lot of experience wearing. But if it's anything as good as what they do for the guys, it's got to be fantastic. Oh, they've got loungewear too. So with winter coming or now here, I mean, a lot of us are looking for good loungewear. So they just do great work at Tommy John. And it's all backed by their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free <clears throat> pardon me, give it guarantee. So get 20% off your first order. If you've never tried Tommy John before, try it today. Get 20% off your first order when you go to tommyjohn.com slash Steve. That's tommyjohn.com slash Steve and get 20% off today. All right, coming up on today's show, uh, our old friend Phil Kirpin will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. He's with a group that has actually filed an amicus brief uh, on the OSHA jab, uh, Biden uh, jab mandate case. And again, that a ruling on that could occur at any point here today or not at all. We were told some Supreme Court rulings were going to be released today. It wasn't clear whether the jab mandate OSHA case was one of them. But we'll talk to him about that friend of the court brief and some of the latest uh, data and numbers that he's dug into when it comes to COVID-19 here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour for Theology Thursday. I said on our first show that we were going to spend most of this year on Theology Thursday looking at the enemy. Studying and examining the enemy. And I'm going to call an audible. We're still going to do that. But we're going to put off our study of the new Scott Atlas book, A Plague on Our House, one more week. And the reason why is because that memo that was released from the Defense Department that was leaked to Project Veritas, you just you cannot find in real time a better and clearer understanding of how the spirit of the age, how the enemy operates than that memo. And we talked about it in depth. I want to go more in depth. And, and I want to help to encourage you. I got a lot of questions from people. When you say Omicron is a control group, what does control group even mean? What does de-attenuation mean? What does attenuation mean? We're going to go through and do a full-out hermeneutic on and a full-out epistemological breakdown of that memo. 
kind of an intellectual version of if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, right? Feed him for life. Sure. So the, I, I want you guys not to need us anymore. I just had a whole thing about um, not outsourcing your citizenship, right? Don't outsource it to me either, okay? I mean, um, I, I want you to take control of your own fate. But to do that, we need the best information because whoever has control over the flow of information has control. So we want to put that information into your hands. It may take one segment. It may take the, fu- the full hour. I don't know yet. I'm going to go as long as it takes to do it what I think well. But just in case, Aaron, have three non-political questions going to go it. just in case we get done shortly. Part of that conversation, by the way, I had a little birdie send me a, uh, an email communique within a group of, a, a consortium group of physicians of a fairly significant national organization. And one of the things they do is consult with major sports leagues as well as almost every high school in the United States. And they have given their members their full analysis of Omicron, where it's at now and where it is going and what that means. I'm As part of next hour's Theology Thursday, I'm going to share this information with you. Because it's, in my opinion, it's not enough to just, un- listen, you're going to be way ahead of, your, of the average American just with that, but it's not enough to just understand what's in Major Murphy's memo and what it means. And the fact that, that it's been buried in mainstream media and the fact that, frankly, a bunch of wimpy alternative media has not even addressed it either, that tells you all you need to know. Because if it, if it lacked credulity, if it wasn't authentic, they would have buried this thing by now, right? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and the people that shared it would have all been banned. Instead, they want to memory hole it. Hunter Biden laptop style. It's important for, for the full context of what, what that memo means. And it's dated last August, long before we even knew what an Omicron was. The whole world had never heard the term by, at that point. Delta was just beginning to ascend here in the U.S., It was in the full throat of its ascension in the UK and Israel and elsewhere. The CDC had just admitted on CNN that month, earlier that month, that their jabs no longer stopped the transmission of the virus. And therefore, the jab could get it and or give it. So the timing of this memo is vitally important when it was written. Who was it written to? And then what do I mean when I say Omicron is a control group? This analysis from this consortium of doctors that we will discuss next hour will lay all of that out for you. Before we get out of here for the first break, thoughts on Aaron's montage, Todd? Well, I we were laughing while it was going on. The, I, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of voodoo is going on in Australia because it's at another level. The translation was the exact same yeah. verbiage, yes. And as Aaron said, Aaron, I don't mean to, you, you riff on it, but I was thinking it when you said it. That, that, that's a hostage video. That, 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 that looked like somebody who in no way wanted to be there. We know that they're rounding people up against their will. It's an assumption. 
the, assum- the, the, the assumption that video makes is if we give you the exact same message, but it's someone with the same pigmentation yeah. you have Correct. and the same dialect you yeah. speak, that you will now go for it. That you're not, you're not, you know, the people who 150 years ago, this exact same government, okay, it experiments right. on as lesser savages, right. okay, that, that that has nothing to do whatsoever with your restraint here, that it's it's just that you need someone who looks like you, you're this elemental. It's the whole Trump thing with the jab, that the, well, well, Trump's base doesn't get jabbed because of politics, brother, if it, he's a full, he's a full throat Pfizer salesman now. If this was about politics, Trump's base would be lining up to get, it would be like, you know, jab me harder, baby, because mm-hmm. fearless leader told me to. So those two things can't be mutually uh, true. And I think I, I was just bringing that up, the absurdity of it. The, the, the more data, information, lack of uh, continuity with previous estimations, the more we have of that, places like this keep doubling down, which is why I just want to echo why it's so important that Steve probably will end up spending the next hour on this. This, this We keep trying to figure out ways to communicate the same thing over and over again. We've been trying to tell you since March of 2020 how insane this is. We saw this hostage video already then in our eyes. And this is an opportunity. I agree. that This has the uh, golden ticket quality, what you're about to do in the next hour. Because we've tried a hundred different ways. We read a book. We've said it, it's, it's very, very difficult to break through this cult. Yes, it is. I mean, Quinnipiac, by the way, was one of the worst performing polls in 2020. It missed the general election, the presidential election, by eight points. It missed the gubernatorial election in Florida by eight points, and they're giving Biden a 33% approval rating. What do you think it really is? Yeah, no, no kidding. Phil Kirpin will join us here next. You're trying to undo all the damage you did with all the serious junk food grindage over the holidays, right? But now you're like, man, can I go from to the point where for after a couple of weeks in January, I never wanted to look at anything sweet ever again. But now we're getting into mid-January and I'm like, I don't know, man, can I keep this up? Well, the perfect solution is the greatest tasting protein bar of all time. That's what I'm using right now. Our friends over at Built Bar, they are bringing back, by the way. Got the email today. White chocolate raspberry. That's probably up your alley, right? I could handle it. White chocolate raspberry cheesecake. I know you're a big cheesecake guy. I'm a huge cheesecake guy. So they're debuting new flavors all the time. And you know, their everyday flavors are pretty darn good as well. I mean, that's what originally sold me on Built Bar back in 2020 before they had a lot of these specialty flavors. Uh, It is the best tasting protein bar of all time. Loaded with protein, flavor, all covered in real chocolate. Not loaded with sugar, carbs, and calories. If you want to try it today or try it again and again and again, uh, use my last name, Dace, as your promo code and get 15% off today when you go to built.com. That's B U I L T, built.com for built bar, promo code Dace to get 15% off today. Well, we mentioned to you earlier, this could, could literally come down at any moment or not at all today. There has been notification from the Supreme Court. Some rulings will be revealed today. We don't know which ones, and we don't know if it has to do with uh, Biden's jab mandate. But uh, our friend, Phil Kirpin, uh, who is president of the organization, the American Commitment Foundation, just filed uh, last week an amicus friend of the court brief uh, in defense of bodily autonomy and individual sovereignty, uh, at trying to help uh, spur the Supreme Court to actually uphold the original intent of the U.S. Constitution. Phil, Happy New Year. It's good to have you back with us, brother. How are you? I'm good, Steve. It looks like uh, we're not getting it today. They put out 
they put out a decision on like a, whether a uh, civilian pension counted against military pension for social security purposes. And then they said, that's our only decision of the day. Okay. So that they have time to get to not the hundred million people waiting to see if they're going to lose their job. If they don't uh, subject themselves to a mandate that hmm. one, they need a little more time. I guess. No, no hurry. I mean, we got, we got nothing but time. You're right. Uh, the, the, the first two questions I want to ask you are obvious. Let's start with, first of all, your brief, your amicus brief that you guys filed with the Supreme court. Uh, it says what, what do you want them to see? Well, what we wanted to do um, was provide a factual basis for them to reject the mandates. And what I mean by that is, you know, you and I agree it's an open and shut case on the Constitution. These things should be tossed. Uh, but, you know, John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, they may not be willing to do that. And so we wanted to give them an easy way out to make the right decision uh, without even getting to the constitutional questions. And uh, that is to just say, look, the situation has changed. The facts have changed on the ground. The logic of the mandate is now completely irrelevant because of what's happened with the Omicron variant. And so we put together this brief uh, with a few epidemiologists that basically makes three points and they're all factual points, but they completely undermine the legal rationale of the mandates. And the three factual points are number one, uh, Omicron is or soon will be completely dominant. Uh, we'll, we'll elbow out Delta and account for substantially all new infections in the country. And I, we cited the CDC's own model for that. And uh, I actually think their model overstates how rapidly Omicron is taking over. But we said, OK, well, let's trust the CDC on this point. It's taking over. Uh, that actually negates the logic of the mandates two ways. One, it means there's no longer a grave danger or any basis for an emergency because Omicron is 90% less deadly than Delta. Uh, it, in country after country's data, we see massive declines. It looks like Gauteng, South Africa, which is the Johannesburg area, 18 million population where it first uh, started, they're gonna have about 20 times lower deaths uh, with this wave than they had with their prior wave. Hmm. Uh, if you think about the original COVID as being something like 10 times more dangerous uh, than seasonal flu, and this is 10 times less dangerous than the original COVID, you're kind of back where you started with a very typical respiratory virus, not anything extraordinary or grave danger that would justify an emergency. And then the other section we have in the brief is on the vaccines and that they don't stop transmission at all with Omicron. And we quote both both Pfizer and Moderna saying so, admitting that that's the case, and all of the international data, which you're very familiar with, mm -hmm. I think, from Denmark and Canada and Germany. And we basically lay it all out and say, look, the only effect of this is the is the effect of having a personal health benefit mandate, uh, which is you, you may reduce hospitalization and death risk for the person. But if you have no transmission effect, uh, you can't make any case that you're reducing the risk for someone else. And the Supreme Court was pretty clear in the Obamacare case that personal mandates, benefits that, you know, mandating something that only benefits your personal health is not constitutional under the Commerce Clause. This was the whole exchange with Scalia on, uh, you know, you can't mandate insurance because it would be like mandating that someone eat broccoli or mandating that they exercise. Um, there's no interstate commerce uh, connection to forcing someone to do something for their own personal health benefit. And if there's no transmission effect, which is the case now with Omicron, then that's exactly what you're doing with the mandates. Well said. Um, the second thing to ask you about is how the hearing last Friday went in general. Because, you know, ever since the very first Obamacare hearing, 
where uh, Jeffrey Lubin uh, uh, walked out of uh, that hearing uh, in, in between self-pleasurings and announced to the CNN audience that o- Obamacare was dead based on the questions that the uh, justices were asking. All right. And and that the Obama lawyers kept insisting that the mandate is not a tax because they didn't want to campaign on that in 2012, the biggest tax increase in American history. That was in an election year, remember. And so they wanted to say it was some sort of extra uh, parenthetical statute that wasn't, but it wasn't a tax. And if you if you looked at the questions that the, the majority of justices asked that day, it did, it did look like Mr. Lubin uh, was right, that that thing was dead as a doornail that day. And yet that summer, John Roberts rewrote Obamacare and its mandate as a tax. Then on the second attempt to undo it, he rewrote the phrase state exchange to mean when the feds come in and actually set up their own exchange in your state. Okay, so ever since then, I've been very hesitant about going by the questions. I will say I thought the questions were beyond depressing for most of it. I thought the attorneys representing, quote unquote, our side uh, were dreadful in giving up virtually every premise imaginable. And I thought I thought it was doomed about halfway in until Stephen Breyer and Sonia Sotomayor began to talk. And with them getting fact-checked and destroyed in the media for saying things that are just demonstrably false, okay, uh, where they have to be, they're even getting fact-checked by Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director. Roberts is nothing if not an institutionalist. And I do wonder, especially when you see things now like the Truckers Association says, hey man, if they rule against this, just so you guys know, enjoy, you're not going to enjoy trips to the grocery store here for the next few months because these guys aren't going along with this. I wonder if that might have turned the tide to some degree or if you have another read on the situation. Well, look, I mean, the the whole reason we put our brief in is we know how wimpy some of these Supreme Court justices are, frankly, and how unwilling to do what I think is the obvious right thing, which is just say these mandates are unconstitutional, period, uh, how, how unwilling they are to do that. And so I do think that these factual questions become really, really important for Roberts in particular. And, you know, if he has one or two of the others, uh, you know, appointed by Republicans that he can exercise influence over, that could determine the outcome in the case, even if they don't admit it, even if they write it as, you know, a statutory or a constitutional decision. I think kind of the factual circumstances and the political circumstances, they're definitely something that Roberts is keenly attuned to, uh, to the point that you just made about him flipping on Obamacare. We know he thinks about that stuff. And frankly, you know, to me, the the kind of the enduring image of last Friday is the court uh, sketch artist, uh, illustrator. And you can see there you've got Alito, Clarence Thomas and Gorsuch who were not wearing masks. And you're like, okay, these look like normal people. They're Mm -hmm. probably going to strike down the mandates. And then you got like Kavanaugh and Roberts in N95s and you've got um, Sotomayor phoning it in because she's too scared to be in the room. And you kind of think, well, Roberts and Kavanaugh might be on board with all the Corona mania. This is not good. You know, you got to be a little worried about how Barrett had some kind of mask on a fabric or something. You know, I I don't want overinterpret that, but I mean, I think it kind of illustrates the kind of three camps we have on the court. We have the radical leftists that will always do what the radical left wants, regardless of the Constitution, and embarrass themselves or the facts with saying ridiculous things, showing they're mm-hmm. they're totally you know Corona deranged. And then you have the three you know solid conservatives, uh, you know the non-maskers were, I think, pretty solid in their questioning and their substance as well. Although Gorsuch got attacked by the left for something he didn't say. 
Right, that was the the fact they forgot to place a comma the, in the middle of this statement there. Did, yeah. And then, you know, based on... Right, well, right. Well, if the transcriptionist messes up, that means that the Republican's an idiot and you can ignore all the things the Democrats actually said. So we had a weekend of that. Um, but, you know, look, Barrett asked a lot of hyper-technical legal questions and, you know, that's fine. You know, it's, it's a court that's appropriate. Uh, kind of suggests she's going to decide this on kind of technical statutory grounds. She's not going to look uh, to the constitutional question, I don't think. And that's fine. I think she'll reach the right decision that way. Um, Kavanaugh and Roberts, I think, will hold the key to the outcome. And one reason it may be taking them so long to reach a decision is that Roberts is willing to, you know, be in a 6-3 majority that strikes down the mandate, but it has to be on some very narrow ground. Yeah, and, I agree uh, with you on this. To, yeah. And, you know, and he and they the other five are potentially have to decide whether they'd rather have that or have a great 5-4 written by Clarence Thomas, but then they get attacked for 5-4 in the court's political and whatever. So that might maybe why it's taking so long. I think you just made an excellent point most people don't understand, Phil, and that is the senior justice writes the majority opinion. All right. The senior justice within the majority writes the right. majority opinion. And so do if, if you're John Roberts, you're going to get a much different opinion written by Clarence Thomas, brother, far more sweeping than if you yourself write it. And you can write kind of your own narrow, narrowly scoped Hobby Lobby kind of a case, which was a win, but didn't actually win on the merits of the point that we were actually trying to make in that case. But just said this particular uh, willingness to go this far in pushing your coercive Virginia agenda was essentially icky. OK. Um, and if you could do it for something other than religious, obvious religious animus, we're totally down to clown. I think that that's the most likely outcome because I, I, I've got to believe, given how political Roberts and Kavanaugh are, they are aware that that I, I think the numbers of people, if they rule the other way, who will just say, I guess I've got to get jabbed. I, I don't think that's very large, Phil. I, I think they've, all those coercive arguments and everything have already been made. I, I think you're looking at unprecedented uh, defiance and civil disobedience on a nationwide level, the kind that truly creates a bare shelves Biden if they go along with this. But maybe I'm wrong. I'll give you the final word. Well, you know, one of the things that was interesting was the approach of the NFIB lawyer. And I agree with you, you know, from our perspective I don't think they picked the best lawyer. I would have rather seen Liberty Justice Center or someone like that making the case. But the NFIB lawyer was basically arguing, look, you know, OSHA can mandate this, but not economy wide. It's got to be, you know, industry by industry, specific rules that are tailored, that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe that's a smart way to argue it for those particular justices. And maybe they get a win out of that. But uh, even a win becomes kind of uncomfortable if that's the way yeah. the way it comes down. Yeah. Yeah. Often when we win, it's not by the premise of our actual argument. It's just it's because the cost of letting the other side go where they want to go societally is is one that the justices don't want to. Uh, well, a couple of the justices don't want to pay, if, if that makes sense. Great stuff, Phil, as always, man. Good to see you, brother. Take care. All right. Have a good one. You bet. That's Phil Kirpin over there at the American Commitment Foundation. Good friend of the show. Thoughts on that conversation, gentlemen? Well, is there anything more perfect when you combine all of our thoughts your thoughts of the courts over these many years steve and then with covid for, for phil who's an incredibly smart guy both in terms of the law and everything he's done for covid he's ultimately just yeah well these guys are wearing these masks and these guys are wearing these masks and this is kind of how it may go down I, it and that and that's as good of an analysis as any of the detail-oriented stuff he did because really, that's where we live. You can just 
see it still walking around. I mean, the, the people who are wearing masks now, you know that they love it as much for the identity, the sense of purpose it gives them as anything remotely scientific. But that's what you were saying about the courts were even before COVID. Why should they not be this now? We have so many huge existential problems on so many fronts. What do you think, Aaron? It's, it's amazing to hear this. Again, maybe we made a little bit of an idol out of, out of her. Uh, because of, know, of her incredible story, incredible visual image um, that she and her family are able to put out there that still could not exist in, in any other country, I would dare say. But to hear that on a case which will determine whether one guy or, in this case, a team of shadowy figures in the nation's highest executive office can decide whether or not whether or not to jab you with something or to take away your livelihood because you won't take the jab because of a public health emergency by the way that same administration guess guess who they basically control the cdc fda how long until hate speech is a public health emergency And to hear her, she's sitting there with a mask, and she knows, I know she knows this. She has to know this. She has to know the stakes here. Can you enforce, can you force people to take something or to do something personally if you are the president of the United States or his team of ventriloquists? Can you force them if it's a public health emergency? And to hear her, Apparently say, well, we need to look at the very technical language of, of what's going on here. And, um, you know, we, we got to have a very precise. I got nothing. I got nothing. Again, channeling last year's motto. Uh, it's up to us. It's it's going to be up to us. Just plan for that and then you won't be disappointed. Hmm. The other problem Roberts has is if he sides with the other side, Thomas is also going to write the dissenting opinion then. And this thing is such a powder keg right now. I mean, there is more anger about this than anything I have seen in my career. Okay, more anger than about lockdowns, more anger than about TARP, which launched the Tea Party. There's more anger about this than anything I've seen in my career. So if you're John Roberts, you can... You can have you and Brett side with a minority for essentially a 21st century Dred Scott, Plessy versus Ferguson kind of decision, and then have the one black guy on the court who's the most senior member of the court absolutely freaking annihilate you in the minority opinion, which is going to provide even more fodder for the defiance to this, right? Or you can find some narrow grounds to side with those guys on so that you're the one writing the, the opinion and you can mm-hmm. silence Thomas. I think that's essentially what Roberts is looking at right now. Not the law, of course. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV. <clears throat> Radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with... Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. 
Don't forget you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also go to places that won't censor us. Uh, if you go to MeWe Parlor and Gab, look for Steve Dace there. Look for Steve Dace Show on Getter and then get clips of the show that are free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well. And again, for those of you that are new, that's D-E-A-C-E. If you are a podcast listener to the show, thank you so much for being one of those. You're a big part of our continued growth. Uh, please, if you have not yet done so, leave us a five-star review. Click follow or subscribe, whatever applies. Thanks to all of you that have done one of those or both of those things for us already. You know, maybe you remember back when we were told that America had a free market economy. Uh, everyone had the same opportunities. Now new research shows there's insider training going on everywhere. In 2021, 52 congressmen violated, 52, violated insider trading rules. Wall Street execs have exchanged trade secrets over golf at the country club for decades. It's no wonder that more than 50% of American investors think the stock market is rigged. I saw a poll from uh, our friends at Trafalgar today. 75% of Americans now want stock trading for active members of Congress to be banned. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things that probably until recently you, you didn't even know was legal. You just assumed you couldn't do that, right? <clears throat> well, here we are. Um, but one of the big markets that you can now, that's been democratized, that you can take part in if you want, uh, maybe some of you have seen the new uh, hit flick or hit uh, movie on Netflix, Red Notice. I believe it's the most watched movie that Netflix has ever produced. Okay, uh, and it's about the amount of money that is in the big time art exclusive art world. All right. Well, our friends at Masterworks want to get you from an investment standpoint dialed into that. Uh, they offer an, an alternative investing investing platform platform that levels the playing field when it comes to high end art. Let's regular folks like us invest in the same art that's collected by mega billionaires. They've got over 295,000 investors signed up uh, right now. If you want to get more information or become one and take a look at uh, their newest offerings, just go to masterworks.io slash Steve. That's masterworks.io slash Steve. Once again, masterworks.io slash Steve. So welcome to Theology Thursday, and our focus and emphasis on this segment, or during this segment this year, is going to be recon and intelligence. We have to study the enemy, and, and, and frankly, I don't see a lot of places doing this. Maybe studying it from a, a, a political level, but this is much deeper than that. We're dealing with real existential cosmic stakes here. And so I, I think you've got you've to get granular here, molecular. We've got to know the epistemology. What does that term mean? It's the study of, how, of knowledge. How do we know what we know is true? We need a proper herm hermeneutical understanding. And what does that mean? Something that's rightly interpreted, rightly divided rightly concluded, rightly applied, that the premise, the body, and the conclusion are all congruent. They line up. We need a proper understanding of the forces we're dealing with here. 
So over the course of this year, we are going to use three books, including mine that's in front of you right here, Do What You Believe, available now. We're going to do this with Scott Atlas's book. And we're going to do this with a fantastic book on cryptocurrency and the modern economy. We'll do that later in the year. So we're going to look at this from an economic perspective. We're going to look at this from a moral perspective. We're going to look at this from an epistemological perspective. We're going to look at it from every single perspective. And our hope is that by the end of this year, we will be as equipped or better equipped to truly be sons of Issachar, men who understood the times. When King David called them, they were men who understood the times and what to do about them. Jesus chastises the religious leaders of his day. He says, you guys study the clouds so you know, hey, the sky is red or there's a cloud formation. It's going to storm. It's going to rain. And yet you neglect to study the signs of the times. What is the driving force behind what we're up against? And what is its motivations? Without understanding those two things, we're going to continue to spin our wheels here. We want to win. I'm big into winning. I like winning. Along those lines, this week we're going to break down in depth Major Murphy's now disclosed note to the U.S. Department of Defense on COVID-19. I'm going to walk you through this memo, line by line, paragraph by paragraph, to understand as much of it as you possibly can, so you can internalize it. So you can now make these arguments. Please do not outsource your citizenship to us any more than you should the Republican Party. We're going to do our part here to try to equip you to pick up the fight where you are, to bloom where you are planted. One of the things I'm the most annoyed about within the American evangelical church is the franchising of churches. That's what it is. We're one church in many locations. Why? Paul didn't do that. He raised up leaders, seated authority, put them in positions of authority. And then, yeah, if they had to be corrected and rebuked, he did that. But he didn't franchise himself. There's no one in your community, no one, no one, no one God could call or has called to shepherd or pastor that individual congregation. And you're just so cotton picking special. My goodness. You're so good at this that this poor community would just be absolutely lost without your speciality. It's the height of hubris, in my opinion. We plant churches. We don't franchise them. I'm not looking to franchise this show. I'm looking to help inspire and spawn more critical thinkers. The day may come and may soon be here. I won't be here anymore. I'm going to be 50 in a few years, approaching the age where you don't buy the green bananas any longer. I may do something dumb. I may disappoint you. I'm human. I may be deplatformed. 
I'm not looking for disciples or acolytes. I'm looking to help equip you to disciple others. Think for yourself. Now, before I walk through Major Murphy's memo, though, we need to understand Omicron. Because I think you actually need to understand the context of Omicron first. Because in reverse, this is all going to make a lot more sense. It's a little bit like if I studied if I studied the Old Testament by itself, I may understand the portions that point to Yeshua of Nazareth as the Christ. But if I study it within the context of the New Testament, it makes a lot more sense. Now, why have I said that Omicron is a control group? What is a control group? A control group is what tells you whether or not the data you're looking at is sound, is correct. A control group is what gets us to epistemological accuracy. So, for example, if I want to study whether or not masks slow the spread of coronavirus, and everyone I study is masked, and then there is a decline in the rate of transmission, I will then deduce for you that masks slow the rate of spread of coronavirus. Why did I use that example? Because that's exactly what those studies did over the last year and a half, exactly what I'm talking about. But if I don't have a control group, meaning if I don't have a group of people who are unmasked, then I don't know. I could do a study that shows everyone that's ever told their wives, I love you, has gotten divorced. So therefore, the conclusion is, don't ever tell your wife I love you. But if I don't have a control group of people that, well, this guy cheated on his wife. This guy slapped his wife around. This guy neglected his wife. This guy wouldn't keep a job. You see what I'm saying? I would declare for you, don't ever tell your wife I love you because the data is clear. Everyone that's ever said I love you to your wife has gotten divorced. It doesn't work. It backfires every time, guys. That's propaganda. That's a narrative. That is not science. And the funny thing is, we you remember? I remember middle school science when we did this, Steve. We would do our hypothesis, put it out there. We we were expected to know yes. this as children. And that's why your point about propaganda is so clear. This is something now that's not some advanced learning tool. It's exactly what we were supposed to understand as citizens of a free society when we were in seventh grade. I remember it clearly. Science, folks, is a method. That is what science is. Science is a method for acquiring knowledge. <clears throat> That's what it is. Science is, remember that. What is science? It is a method. That's why when we were in school, what were we taught? The scientific what? Method. Method. Science is a method for acquiring knowledge. That's what it is. That's what it has not been in much of Western civilization for the last few decades. It has been completely and totally corrupted and politicized so that the epistemology is bad. The ground is bad. The source is bad because the goal is not to get to accurate knowledge. It is to, it is to advance a narrative or an agenda. So the reason I told you that Omicron was a control group is because if you look at where Omicron allegedly came from, it came from South Africa. Now, what is South Africa? 
South Africa is a country where about 75% of that population has not been jabbed. That's an incredible number. Here's something else about South Africa I've not said before because it's a little sensitive, but given the importance of this conversation, I will say it today. South Africa for the last now three decades has been as ravaged by AIDS as any country on earth. Remember what AIDS stands for? Acquired what? Immune. 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 What's the next word? Deficiency. Deficiency syndrome. Acquired immune deficiency syndrome. The children that are born congenitally with HIV in South Africa is off the chain. I have some personal experience about this because someone I've long known who was a successful doctor, retired, cashed in his uh, success, financial success to start an orphanage in South Africa. Jim Blessman is his name. He's been down there for decades now. And so many of the kids they treat are HIV positive, just born with it. So we have had... We have had in modern times the worst autoimmune virus, the worst autoimmune causing virus in modern times has been ravaging this country for decades. This is not a healthy population. People who say, well, they're not fat. You know what's worse than being fat? Starving. Then you're not getting any nutrition at all. Almost a super majority of South Africans are at or below the poverty line. 55% of the entire country. They're not fat guys because they're just throwing plates around at Planet Fitness all day. They're freaking starving there. They just came out of institutional racism and went right into institutional Marxism. So they're starving. They're poor. Also, this country lacks much of a systemic health care system. Basic care we take for granted as Americans. They can't there. The life expectancy of an adult male in South Africa is 15 years less than it is an American male. That's incredible. It's incredible in the 21st century we have that kind of discrepancy. 15 years. My mom was 15 years old when she got pregnant with me in 1972. 15 years old. And in the year 2021... South Africa's male life expectancy is 15 years less than it is here in the United States. They are starving. They are poor. They lack sufficient health care. Therefore, they lack sufficient preventative care. They have had now a second generation of the citizenry ravaged by AIDS. Collectively decimating the immunity of that people. If there was ever a place, and three out of four of them have not been jabbed. If there was ever a place, ever, where this virus would set up shop and not attenuate. What do I mean by attenuate? It means diminish. Diminish in strength. That's what it means. So when we get to the Murphy memo and it says de-attenuating, it means the virus getting stronger. It's not weakening. It's not diminishing. It's, we- it's, str- it's strengthening. If there was ever a place for coronavirus to say, dude, this is fresh timber. We don't have to attenuate at all. We can ravage these people over and over and over and over again. Unjabbed, starving, dying. A second generation of acquired immune deficiency syndrome ravaging the population. This would be it. 
Except when we got the South Africa data from Omicron, we didn't see that at all. The latest numbers show about a 20 times diminishing of the death rate from the peak of Omicron than what we got from the peak of Delta. Phil Kirpin just cited you that number last hour. So now we have a control group. Just as Sweden provided a control group on lockdowns. And in the end, Sweden's excess mortality outperformed almost all the lockdown countries in the EU, correct? Yep. Yep. We now have a control group when it comes to the jab. See, see, the enemy doesn't want a control group. COVID stand, its latest manifestation, doesn't want a control group because that brings us to clarity. That brings us to truth. That brings us to epistemological success. Doesn't want that. Wants things murky, unknown, unknowable. And then only can be known in the, to the sources that he directs you to. As in, did God really say? Are you sure? So Omicron provided us a control group, and therefore we knew when it hit the West, one of two things would happen. A, and this was the one we were hoping for, and thankfully it seems as if it's the one we're getting. That the virus had definitely attenuated now, meaning it had diminished in strength and destructiveness. And we would see that. Therefore, it would become much more transmissible, like a cold, but far less destructive when in severity. It would do that because that's what it did in South Africa or or if it didn't do that, if it de-attenuated when it arrived to the West and all these highly jabbed countries, we now know that we have flat out acquired immune deficiency or not. I'm sorry that we have antibody dependent enhancement ADE. I'm getting my acronyms mixed up here. That the jab is actually now making the virus itself worse, not indirectly as I believe it is, and I'll explain that here in a minute, but directly, it is directly doing this. Now, thankfully, what our data shows is the, de- is the attenuation is happening here in the U.S., in the U.K. They are seeing a plummeting of their Omicron levels in the U.K. as we speak now. That's the best human scenario. Do not root for a leaky vaccine, even if you think that these things are the mark of the beast. Don't root for ADE. A lot of tragedy happens when those things occur. Root for the best outcome for people. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Thankfully, we're seeing the attenuation here now. To that end, this is a memo that was sent out earlier today by a major consortium of physicians nationwide. They help to consult major sports leagues in the United States and high school athletics all over the country. So virtually almost every school district in America, they have some form of tie to. This is the internal memo that they sent around them to their to the physicians in their group earlier today. And it was given to me by a little birdie. I want to share the talking points about Omicron with you from this group. Number one, close to 100% of the positive cases in Massachusetts are Omicron. Now, here's why that matters. Because New England, the North, had not had its Delta wave yet. Remember that. Delta arrived in the U.S. during the Sunbelt wave down south. The North had not had its Delta wave yet. And here, this group of large, respected group of physicians that consults 
large and well-known names you would know, sports leagues, who've got billions of dollars on the line. Here's what they're saying. Omicron is, is, is 100% of the positive cases in Massachusetts. Delta is almost completely gone from New England. They're just, we're just a month into the winter wave. We've got like two, three more months of this. This surge will peak sometime between January 10th and the 21st and then begin a quick downhill journey of two to four weeks. We will end up with 20 to 50% positivity rate. My son's school right now has almost 10% of the K through 12 student body at Des Moines Christian is out sick right now. Almost 10%. A 20 to 50% positivity rate. February will be cleanup mode. March will begin the return to normal. Omicron lives in your nose and upper respiratory area, which is what makes it so contagious. Lung affinity is minimal. This is why it's not as deadly. It doesn't create the pulmonary cytokine storm that the previous COVID variants did. The increased hospitalization should be taken with a grain of salt. I'm just, I'm just reading this to you directly. This is what they're saying to each other should be taken with a grain of salt as most of them are secondary admissions, i.e. people coming in for surgery, broken bones, etc., who then tested positive for COVID with this milder strain. We won't need a booster for Omicron because they wouldn't be able to develop one before it completely, it's completely gone. And we're all going to get it, which will give us the immunity we need to get through it. These doctors should have been deplatformed like 10 times yeah. by now. Guys, I'm telling you, this group was this group was one of the folks that consulted with major sports leagues to shut down in March of 2020. I can promise you that. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Let me read this again, okay? We won't need a booster for Omicron because they wouldn't be able to develop one before it's completely gone, and we're all going to get it, which will give us the immunity we need to get through it. That's exactly what point seven says. Number eight, COVID will join the other four coronaviruses we deal with that cause the common cold, upper respiratory infections, RSV, etc., It will become a pediatric disease, mainly affecting young children with no immunity. Number nine, 40% of those infected will be asymptomatic. That's a massive number. Number 10, rapid tests. Listen to this, okay? Listen to this. Rapid tests are 50 to 80% sensitive to those with symptoms, only 30 to 60% sensitive to those without symptoms. First of all, the rate for symptoms isn't good. It's possible that's a 50% flip of a coin if you're symptomatic, let alone what it is if you're not. Number 11, contact tracing is worthless because we're all going to get it and there's no way we could keep up with it. Number 12, we are fighting the last war with COVID and should be pivoting back to normal life. Now listen to this. But most of society isn't quite ready for it yet related to COVID fears and experiences from earlier in the pandemic. Number 13, there is no need to stay home from work or to be a hermit unless you're immunocompromised or 85 or older. Staying away from large gatherings for the next few weeks, likely helpful in suppressing the hospitalization spike noted above, with the caveat that the spike we are seeing in hospitalizations currently isn't all for primary COVID illness. One of the biggest hospitals in San Francisco, one of their physicians was or leader or administrators was just quoted as saying, they have no one in their ICU that is intubated right now with COVID. No one. Number 14, spring and summer will be really nice. This is from a major consortium of physicians, mainstream as it gets, consulting major sports leagues in this country. That that was one of the groups advising them to shut down in March of 2020. 
And this is the analysis they just sent to their circulation group of physicians around the country on Tuesday the 11th. I just read this right out of the email that was given to me. And I know the source personally, so I know it's good. That, folks, is a control group. It's why I believe that, I agree with Daniel Horowitz, I believe that Omicron is a gift from God. Either the direct movement of the hand of God, or we've watched the laws of nature and nature's God in action. That despite our best effort here to contrive a potential world-ending level, extinction-level event for the Western way of life, anyway, and free people all over the globe, we can't outrun Jonah. There is no boat. There is no think tank, Jonah. There is no media platform, Jonah. There is no movement. There is no lie. There is no narrative, Jonah, that gets in the way of the sovereign will of God. We did our best for this not to happen by jabbing into a pandemic. So many leaders across the globe that warned against this. Geert van den Bosch, who used to work for the Gates Foundation, by the way. Robert Malone, who helped to patent mRNA technology. Peter McCullough, arguably the most published cardiologist in American history prior to COVID. But they would not be listened to. And we risked creating the very ADE that would have made this a forever war. And now we have the data that shows, and now they're advising each other within their own private enclaves. Endemic is here. From pandemic to endemic, meaning something seasonal. That the body has some form of a built-up immunity to from previous exposures. That's why they said they're concerned about young children with no prior immunity or exposure. We did our damnedest for this not to happen. And yet, Either God directly ambushed these people with this strain or no scheme of man stands against God. The laws of nature and nature's God are undefeated for all times and they always will be. Nature will have its way because the architect of nature is the only undefeated being in the history of the cosmos. So whether you believe this is just the sovereign will of God naturally occurring as it always does, and so this was inevitable, or you think God uniquely chose a nation ravaged from an immunity standpoint to shame the rest of the world by blindsiding them with a, with a variant they did not see coming. They were hyping this up at Thanksgiving and Christmas. It was the new end of the world. And lo and behold, it is not. Whichever, whichever you think, direct or indirect, the end result is the same. The truth wins. The truth always wins. It's just a matter of how much pain and suffering are we willing to accept on the way to learning that lesson? How harshly do we as a species wish to learn that lesson? How stubbornly will we accept suffering and pain 
when we could have just learned this lesson all along. Because folks, I'm here to tell you that if this virus attenuated in South Africa with a completely ravaged population, much of them immunocompromised, many of them starving, completely malnourished, and lacking the health care we take for granted, it could have attenuated here a long time ago if we had actually followed science. But we didn't. We followed the agenda. And it's an agenda that has killed many more people than this virus has. That denied them the treatments that would have given them the healing they deserved and needed. The lies that created the lockdowns and the downhill slide that we're going to see epidemiologically and from a mental health perspective because of that. All for a different agenda. And that is the agenda that Major Murphy lays out in his memo. an official government document. So at the very least, they had heard these things. Why hasn't Major Murphy been court-martialed? He's still in the Office of Naval Research today as we speak. If this information is not true, why wasn't he punished? And if it is, well, more on that in a moment. More important than ever for us when the opportunity presents itself to not do business with people who hate us if we can avoid it. One of the things we all use these days pretty much is a mobile phone. Thankfully, you've got a mobile phone, mobile phone provider out there that doesn't hate you and will provide pretty much all the same coverage that you're currently getting from all the big names. I know this for a fact. I made the switch myself from T-Mobile to Patriot Mobile a few months ago. Didn't notice a difference in coverage or anything at all. But now at least I know I'm not giving a bunch of money every month to someone who hates my guts and would end my way of life in a nanosecond if they could. So if you want to make that exact same decision, first of all, veterans, first responders, you get bigger discounts. So if you're one of those, (coughs) pardon me, ask them about that. But for everybody else right now with the offer code Steve, uh, you can get a, a free activation with your new account, a free activation with your new phone or your old phone that you're bringing with you, a free activation with the promo code Steve when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, patriotmobile.com slash Steve. I put it off for a long time. I thought the switch would be a hassle. Finally bit the bullet. It wasn't, folks. They make it as easy as pie, all right? patriotmobile.com slash Steve or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Again, that's 972-PATRIOT. So this is the memo in question from Major Joseph Murphy, who was the Marine Commandant for an organization within the Department of Defense called DARPA. What does DARPA stand for? It stands for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. It was established under Dwight Eisenhower in 1958. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency According to the organization, it is, quote, responsible for catalyzing the development of technologies that maintain and advance the capabilities and technical superiority of the U.S. military. Therefore, they have a vested interest in making sure they have all of the latest cutting-edge, accurate information and data out there. That's their job. Several hundred people work for DARPA. Major Joseph Murphy was the Marine Commandant meaning the U.S. Marine Corps sent him to DARPA to be its official representative for this organization, its eyes and ears. Major Murphy, last I heard in the last 48 hours, was still employed within the Department of Defense. He is now the Marine Liaison for the Office of Naval Research. 
If he was a crackpot, should we not know? If, if, if this information is inaccurate, should he not be charged? Of course. Should there not be a cell in Leavenworth with Major Murphy's name on it as we speak if what I'm about to share with this audience is fake news? Instead, just because of the acronym there, this feels like you're about to tell us how an organization that started out as S.H.I.E.L.D. has somehow been infected by HYDRA. Yes. <coughs> Pardon me. Let me start with the cover letter. I'm reaching out to communicate some information relative to COVID that I don't believe you or your director is aware of. You probably saw earlier this week the more official documents linking NIH and EcoHealth Alliance. NIH, that was Francis Collins. Anthony Fauci was his underling. Fauci works under the NIH. EcoHealth Alliance, that's Peter Dazuk and that group that was doing the gain-of-function research. Of NIH and EcoHealth Alliance, uh, uh, linking them to the Wuhan Institute of Virology published by The Intercept. Remember that report in August of last year from the left-wing Intercept. That was the original left-wing journalistic investigative website originally founded by Glenn Greenwald that you see a lot now on Tucker Carlson's show. Yeah. Okay. So this memo is dated August 19th, shortly after this Intercept story of last year. The Intercept, I came, or, I'm sorry, I came across additional incriminating documents and produced an analysis shortly after leaving DARPA last month. The report was routed to the Department of Defense's Inspector General Office. What does an Inspector General do? It makes sure that processes and documents and words and definitions are accurate. And, and methodologies are secure, that, the, that, the, that the, the methodology of an organization is sound and hasn't been corrupted. In other words, he sent this to where it would go to be verified. He wanted it verified. That's why he sent it there. This wasn't a blog. He sent it to the official capacity within the Department of Defense that would verify such things. I'm unsure whether the significance of what I communicated is understood by those that received the report. Decisions with regards to the vaccines do not appear to be informed by analysis of the documents. The main points being that SARS-CoV-2 matches the SARS vaccines variants the NIH and EcoHealth program was making in Wuhan. That being inserted into the variants were deemed too dangerous. Gain of function is what that means. And that the DOD now mandates vaccines that copy the spike protein previously deemed too dangerous. To me, and to those who informed my analysis, the situation meets no-go or abort criteria. This guy's putting it on the line, folks. To the highest food chain he can reach. This isn't mealy-mouthed. The situation meets no-go or abort criteria with regards to the vaccines until the toxicity of the spike protein can be investigated. Again, what does DARPA do? Investigate cutting-edge systems and technologies. That's what they do. Trust the experts, right, Steve? They are the experts. There's also information within the documents about which drugs effectively treat the, treat the program's SARS-CoV-2. That's why I'm reaching out. I'm trying to help and aid leadership to grapple with the vaccines and the mandate with as much information as is available. I wanted to push this your way. And now, here we are. And Mr. and Major Murphy, again, still works in the Office of Naval Research, at least last I checked. Here's what he wrote in his report. 
SARS-CoV-2 is an American-created recumbent bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by an EcoHealth Alliance program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting surrounding the lab leak hypothesis. The details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. These details can be found in the EcoHealth Alliance proposal response to the DARPA preempt program broad agency announcement. And he has the document number there dated March 2018, a document not yet publicly disclosed. What he is saying is that we funded the creation of this virus in, in, in China. That's what he is saying. More specifically, that Anthony Fauci and Peter Daszak and Ralph Barrick created this virus, either directly with their policies and inquisitive investigative process and or their funding in Mr. Fauci's case. That's what he's saying. The contents of the proposed program are extremely detailed. Peter Daszak lays out step by step what the organization intends to do by phase and location. The primary scientists involved, their roles and their institutions are indicated. The funding plan for the Wuhan Institute of Virology work is its own document. The reasons why non-pharmaceutical interventions like masks and medical countermeasures like the mRNA vaccines do not work well can be extrapolated from the details. The reasons why the early treatment protocols work as curatives are apparent. Attached to this memo is an index to all of these sources, by the way. He sent this to the inspector general, guys. He sent this to the place. When we wanted to find out who the lab leakers and everything was, right, with McCabe and all that stuff, what office determined all that? Do you remember? The Office of Inspector General did. Yeah. And did I just hear you right? Not only the language, not only do they work, but the reason they work is apparent. Isn't that what you just said? The reason that they don't work is apparent. That they don't work is apparent. Yes. Yes. Because, as he will explain later, it's the theory I gave you. The vaccine is the virus. It is the alpha strain of the virus. And therefore, these are these are lesser strains that are evolutionary from a natural selection standpoint. They're not and it's not an inert form of the actual virus like a traditional vaccine. It is it's a lesser version of it, which has caused the virus in response to seem stronger. It's a little bit like if if one guy, one Marine can do 25 pull ups. And he can still do 25 pull ups. But when you compare him to me and I can only do two or three does he not look stronger? Mm-hmm. He did the same 25 sure. pull-ups he was doing before, sure. but because it's now being compared to what I did, it appears to be a stronger, even mm-hmm. though it's the same amount. That's what he's going to say. That they indirectly strengthened the virus because the, the, the spiked proteins are substandard. It's a weakened version of the actual infection itself. Not an inert version, a weakened version. That's a difference. And the reason I asked that, do you remember when Aaron had it is in montage that one time? I think it was in our end of year show. That doctor said we have to vaccinate these people to find out. Yeah, it was an FDA <laughs> commissioner yeah. is who it was. Yeah. This guy's telling and he was talking you, about children. We weren't we didn't have to guess. Yes. We knew. I doubt we're gonna get through this before the end of the show. So, so we'll have yeah, to carry so. this into overtime just to let everybody know. If you've never subscribed, brother, today is the day to do it. Okay? Blaze TV.com slash days hell. Get the five day trial and then cancel. Save your money. You do not want to miss this. Trust me. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. You want the full picture of this. SARS-CoV-2's form, as it emerged, is likely as a precursor, deliberately virulent. What did I tell you virulent meant? Serious, potent, infectious, destructive. 
humanized recumbent SARS-CoV-2 that was to be reverse engineered into a live attenuated or diminished SARS-CoV-2 bat vaccine. What he is saying here is that they they were they deliberately provoked this thing to get strong so they could find out in our book. Well, actually, it's not on the table anymore. Fauci and bargain. A term is used in that book about what went on in the chapter of the Wuhan lab. I use a term there that comes right from their own documents at the time. Spillover potential. I keep t- I've said this for a year. It's not just that they were doing gain of function research there. That in and of itself would be bad. But they were doing it specifically to provoke a virus to jump from an animal to a human. And so to do that, they had to provoke. What does it mean to provoke something? To make it stronger, make it more agitated, to make it come back at you. That's what it means. They were provoking the virus to leap from an animal to a human so that they can then figure out how to vaccinate against it. Or at least that's going to be the U.S.'s explanation. The guy who ran the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the former head of Chinese bioweapons lab. So maybe the Shycoms have a different definition. Yeah, I'm sure we can trust him, Steve. But that's what he is saying here, that they deliberately made it more virulent because they wanted to see that they were looking for what's the worst possible event that could happen so that we can be preemptively protected against it. Its nature can be determined from analysis of its genome with the context provided by the EcoHealth Alliance proposal. Joining this analysis with U.S. intelligence collections on Wuhan will aid this determination. When synthesized with the EcoHealth Alliance proposal, U.S. collections confirm EcoHealth Alliance was performing the work proposed. This is an official document to one of the leading research agencies in the U.S. Department of Defense sent to the Inspector General of the entire Defense Department, of the entire Pentagon, openly saying, we know that this is the research that did this. We know this. He's openly saying it. The analysts produced their reports in a vacuum, absent the context the proposal provides. As a fellow at DARPA, I could see both, meaning that he was, he he had the classification to see such documentation. Again, we're not talking about a bit player here, guys. And can do the synthesis. For instance, Wuhan Institute of Virology personnel identified in intelligent reports are named in the proposal. They weren't even hiding it. They weren't even hiding it. Well, they're hiding it now, but they weren't even hiding it then. These people use the lexicon of the proposal in the collections and the virus variants proposed for experimentation are identical to those gleaned by collections. They were already prompting variants. Moreover, I am also privy to information obtained by congressional office investigators and by Drastic, that's another Pentagon organization, which further corroborates that the program detailed in the response was conducted until it was shut down in April of 2020. Long after the pandemic had begun, when we're all already locked down in April of 2020, they were still doing this. These bastards were still doing this. Or they weren't. It's entirely possible that Major Joseph Murphy is a crackpot. It is, is it not? It is. Sure. There's no doubt, there is no doubt about the authenticity of this memo. If there was, we would have heard it already. If this thing was just made up whole cloth by Project Veritas, we would have, we would have heard this already. So the authenticity of the memo is without a doubt. What is in doubt is the authenticity of its epistemological information. But boy, wouldn't you think... Wouldn't you think it's been, what, going on day three since this memo came out? No. If Mr. Murphy could be purged as a crackpot, don't you think that would have occurred by now? I'm certain. The military's kind of purging people at the moment, are they not? 
don't seem too shy about it, do they? In a culture of increasing sources of misinformation, it's now more important than ever to raise up critical thinking children who will ask questions, find the right answers on their own. And that's where Annie's Genius Box comes in. It's an excellent way to encourage your kids' curiosity while providing fun activities that are as entertaining as they are educational. Each month, your young scientist gets a new box bursting with hands-on activities to explore themes like geology, chemistry, aerodynamics, and more. It's good for kids ages 7 to 12, and it helps empower your kids' imagination and critical thinking skills. If you want to learn more or get some of this, just go to annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. If there was ever a need to create a more critical thinking generation in America, right now would be it. Annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Save 50% on your first box when you go there at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Now, we're going to run out of time here. And so this is going to, pardon the pun, spill over into the overtime as we go through the rest of this memo. Right now, get a subscription to Blaze TV if you don't have one. You want to get to the end of this, I promise you. Management will probably hate me for telling you this. Just get the five-day free trial, man. If you can't afford a subscription, then just cancel it. You don't think it's worth a quarter a day or a dollar a day or... What's it even cost, Aaron? I don't even remember. I can't remember. Yeah. I just no, we, fine. We we may not be worth a dollar a day year round. We're gonna be worth a dollar a day today. I can promise you that. All right. BlazeTV.com slash dace. Again, that's blazetv.com slash dace. Any final words before we get out of here in the next 90 seconds? There's a newspaper in Denmark that came out uh in the last couple of days and wrote an op-ed that basically said we were wrong. We didn't ask the right questions. We got on board. Uh, the, the equivalent of the Fauci train. We we just, we, we dropped the ball. You deserve better. Uh, I hope other newspapers follow suit. And if you do, the next step other than after saying I'm sorry is to do what Steve is doing with this document. Follow the truth wherever it goes. Here's a quote. I'll, uh, if I have the opportunity in, in overtime to, to explore that I thought about, I remembered This is from a June 3rd publication that I'll say more about in the overtime. State Department investigators say they were repeatedly advised not to open a Pandora's box. I'll juxtapose that if I have the opportunity in overtime with with the rest of, of, of what we've been talking about in this segment. I'm just angry right now. That's, and you should be too. This is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do not have the words to describe the level of evil that has been perpetrated upon us over the last two years. And we won't know what to do about it until we come fully into a realization of it. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.